Thank you, and once again, good day to students and teachers of the Word of God. We've come a long way now in our series of lessons from 77 studies back, which constitutes more than 38 hours in Bible study. In our previous 38 hours of Bible study, consisting of 76 broadcasts, have dealt with theology, Christology, anthropology, angelology, and somewhat on soteriology, although we'll discuss that in much detail later. We still have a number of lessons coming up on soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, and homartiology, the doctrine of sin. And today we are continuing our study on demonology, in particular the Bible material that deals with the personality, the nature, the operation, work, the origin, and destiny of the devil. As we said in our previous lessons, the devil is not an influence, but a real person, and a person to be reckoned with, uh, the most powerful person in the universe outside of the Godhead itself. Simon Peter said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. In our previous lesson, we learned that Satan was a real, living, active enemy. He doesn't come under the head of angelology because he's not an angel. He is pictured as a fallen angel, which is nonsense. The devil has never been an angel and never will be an angel. When the angel appears, he appears as an angel of light. But the appearance, of course, has nothing to do with the reality. In the Bible, Satan is a cherubim, or a fifth cherub, and as a cherubim he has wings. Angels never have wings. There isn't a winged angel anywhere in the Bible, nor is there a sexless angel anywhere in the Bible. Every angel in the Bible is a 33-year-old male without wings. And we discussed this in great detail on two broadcasts of 30 minutes apiece in previous studies. Now Paul says, neither give place to the devil. If we do not resist the devil, things will go wrong for us. We are disobeying God. The Lord said, resist the devil. Satan attacks every true child of God, and you and I are no exceptions to the rule. To resist means to withstand. That is, to be firm against, to fight against, a defensive battle. To be sober means to be sane, to be mentally self-controlled, to be rationally reasonable, to be on guard. To be vigilant means to be wide awake, to be watchful like a sentry on guard duty, ever watching, ever listening for the approach of the enemy, like the old job in World War II used to be called, listening post. According to the Bible, Satan is a liar, murderer, divider, counterfeiter, roaring lion, accuser, or he can appear as an angel of light, although, of course, he is never an angel of light. In the Bible, he is not a roaring lion, but walks about as a roaring lion. The theology and demonology books that confuse the devil with being a lion or an angel, of course, are ignoring the King James text, which is always right, and, of course, they are always wrong. Now, many Christians try to fight a passive fight by saying, I trust the Lord, and ignore Satan. Or they say, well, since greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, I don't have to worry about it. That's some more deathly theology that will cut your spiritual life in two and sever your spiritual juggler vein. If you were told as a child of God to be sober, to be vigilant, to resist, to be awake, to be sure that no man deceive you, that you don't deceive yourself and be not deceived, then don't you think for a minute that simply because he that is greater than you, he that is new is greater than the world, that you can't wind up demon-possessed because you can. The only part of the devil the Lord can't get of you is your spirit, and that's been born of the Spirit of God, and that's the part in you that is greater than the one in the world. 
That doesn't mean the devil can't get your liver, your kidney, your eyes, your hands, your ears, your nose, your mouth, your lips, your teeth, your tongue, your imagination, your consciousness, your bloodstream, your respiratory system, your mind, and your skeletal frame. Now, the peculiar thing being taught by demoniac charismatics these days is it is impossible for a Christian to be demon-possessed. This smacks of somebody trying desperately to avoid an implication. And the favorite verse these people use is, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, which, when considered practically, means nothing. That's a doctrinal statement. That's a statement that if you avail yourself of the resources provided for you, you can overcome. That's a statement of the fact that if you yield your body to God, the one that's in you can run it. That's a statement of the fact that if you reckon yourself dead unto sin, God can give you victory. But there isn't one verse in that Bible that ever said simply because he that was in you is greater than he was in the world that you would wind up dean-possessed and turn over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Now, the dean-possessed Christians of our day are hung up on that verse because they use that as an alibi. And these poor deluded souls think simply because Christ in them is greater than the devil outside of them, this guarantees the devil can't control them or run them. Nothing could be more foolish in light of the Word of God. If the Bible told you to resist, be sober, be vigilant, take heed, lest any man fall, take heed, be not deceived, let no man deceive you, be not deceived, let no man deceive himself, and those were written to Christians. If you Christians were told God would take you and turn you over the devil for destruction of the flesh, if any man defile the temple, him will God destroy. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. Do you think for a minute that simply because Christ is in you, you've got an automatic victory? Why, you can claim the victory, and if you're living like the devil, you won't get it anyway. Now, this is the maudlin type of slop that's put out over radio stations from morning to night these days by people who simply think that one or two verses in the Scripture guarantee them from being deceived by the devil because they've received some other spirit since they received the Holy Spirit, and they're trying to pretend it's more of the Holy Spirit when it's not. Paul warned you by that other spirit after you were saved in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. God says to the Christian, you better be strong, you better stand up, you better draw the sword, you better resist, you better withstand, you better be sober, you better be vigilant. Each individual Christian has to fight the good fight of faith. It has nothing to do with you sitting down and saying, I know I'm safe because Christ in me is greater than he that is in the world. The devil gets you lock, stock, and barrel, son. Now, I guarantee he can't get your soul if you're saved. If you're saved, your soul is going to go home to heaven. But there's a lot more to you than your soul. There's, for example, your mouth and your imagination and your mind and your brain. The devil can get any of them or all of them. The Bible speaks about Christians being taken captivity by the devil at his will and being snared. Now, the ways in which Satan attacks Christians. In the first place, the devil makes them lazy. A spirit of lethargy or heaviness comes upon a Christian. The brain becomes abnormally dull, tired, and ambitionless. And Christians blame it on the sleeplessness or the weather or diet or pressures of duty. But you need to check these things. When you get feeling lazy for no good reason, check yourself. Have you had sufficient sleep? Is the weather hotter? Is your diet sufficient? Are you busier than you should be? 
And if the answer is negative, then recognize the thing as an attack of the devil and rebuke him in the name of the Lord. Sleeplessness. If the devil can keep you awake, then your senses are dull, your activities are arrested and weakened, normal operations of life are undermined. The pressure of duties become too rough. This makes you tired, overwhelmed, irritable. If you're too busy, too active, delays can frustrate you and Satan get advantage of you. Satan can cause traffic jams to delay us and an attempt to exasperate us. Beware of the time when unexpected callers of the children annoy us and check yourself and see if you're getting enough sleep. The devil can use sleeplessness to his own advantage. The devil can use a nervous system to try to attack the body and cause you to become nervous wrecks. If he succeeds in this, then in your weakened position, the devil can get you to sin easily. Satan can wreck your minds, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The fact that one that is in you is greater than he that is in the world doesn't prevent the devil from wrecking your mind, causing you to lose sleep, getting you irritable, delaying you, frustrating you, getting you weak, getting you sick, and eventually killing you. You better hang on to something more than just one verse of Scripture to give you a false sense of security. Satan can enter the mind through a wrong thought or an impression or an idea. The Scripture says a man is as his thoughts make him. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The devil can enter your mind and imagination through a root of bitterness or a grudge or disappointment or being mad at God. The devil is a murderer. He seeks for accidents to claim the lives of mankind. God holds the keys of life and death, but God gives us power to Satan. And Satan is said to have the power of death in Hebrews chapter 2. Satan can get a Christian to try to commit suicide. One man tells the story of a man who couldn't shave himself because the temptation to cut his own throat was so great. This is the explanation of many suicides. Satan has gained an entrance. They're common to man, but the devil, bad moods and blue moods, but this mustn't be allowed to take advantage over our uh, sane thinking. We need to watch our moods closely and seek victory through Christ over them quickly and constantly. The blue mood or the depression or the down in the dumps of a slew of despond is a place where Satan can enter and take advantage of you and get you to think and do things that aren't right. The fact that he that is new is greater than he in the world has no bearing upon it at all. If you don't take available to take advantage of the means made available to you for victory, you'll get sunk no matter who's in you or who's not in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory, your body being the temple of the Holy Spirit, is no guarantee of any automatic victory over the devil any time, any place, anywhere. It is only a guarantee that you'll go home to New Jerusalem when you die. Being saved doesn't solve all your problems in this life. It solves all your problems in the next life. There's many a battle to be fought and won here. The money spending habit is often satanically inspired. There are Christians who live in 16 different houses in 10 years. There are Christians in America right now who spend more money on furniture than they do in missionaries. Amen? There are Christians in America right now who spend more, more money on boats and on television sets than they give to the church. Amen? Well, who do you suppose the author of that? Jesus Christ? Why, they're Christian in this country that think if they're not getting an income of $3 million over radio or television to set them up air-conditioned offices with coke machines in it to tape special programs that they're out of the will of God. Who's the author of that? The one who said, having food and raiment therewith, let us be content. Is that the one? 
While these people go on talking about greater he, is you, he that is in you than he that in the world, going around spending more money on their clothing and their Cadillacs than they spend on foreign missions, and talking about the one that is in me is greater than the one that is in the world, well, he sure doesn't have control of your life. The fashion craze or habit is satanic. God told women to dress modestly. Do you dress modestly? How about you men, you evangelists? Do you dress in $80 suits? Do you drive $4,000 cars? Many people there in dress and fashion simply following the modern fashion design or trying to keep up with the neighbors or keep up their image. Then we have the most blatant hypocrites of them all, the money-grabbing, covetous Christians who have compromised the Word of God and then going around and saying, God wants you all to be rich and God wants you all to be healthy. Therefore, if you're not rich and healthy, it's because you don't have enough faith. Look at me, I'm rich and healthy, therefore I've got faith. No, man, the reason why you folks, a lot of you folks are healthy is because you never witness in a dangerous place. And the reason why some of you fellows are healthy is because you carry bodyguards and private bounces to your tent meetings to get rid of the people that might give you trouble. Who are you trying to kid, your grandmother? You know, some of us were men 27 years before we were preachers. You don't fool us. You fool the old ladies about to die and make out their will to you. You don't fool us. You go around this country saying, well, if you're not rich and you've got a lot of money, it's because you don't have faith. That isn't what you mean. What you mean is in the content of your preaching and your singing, you never offend anybody. That's what you meant. What you meant is that you never publicly or privately put your finger right in a man's face and tell him if he's not born again, washed blood of Jesus Christ, he's going to go to hell and burn like a torch. That's what you meant. What you meant, you found it, it, talk, it paid financially to talk smooth and dress smooth and look smooth and preach smooth so you're just as smooth as black-strapped molasses poured on greased honey. That's what you mean. You're just dishonest talking about greater is he that is in you than <laughs> he that is in the world. <laughs> I wonder who's in you to make you compromise and sell the Word of God out and cut corners here and there to get money and then brag about God wanting every Christian to be rich. Is that the one that became poor? Is that the one that was born in a stable and died on a cross and buried in another man's tomb? Is that the one? Is he the author of that? No, I doubt it. The temptation to the improper use of the tongue opens the door to evil spirits. Some individuals seeking special spiritual blessings or baptisms of the Holy Ghost and all that business try to think themselves empty, and then Satan is glad to fill the vacuum. The message of the Lord is clear and specific. Satan comes to the seeking soul with many suggestions. He makes a haze, he makes a fog in the mind by creating great uncertainties, and of course he always counterfeits the Holy Ghost. The devil naturally is a counterfeiter, an imitator. And his main job is to counterfeit the Holy Spirit. His greatest masterpiece to counterfeit the baptism of the Spirit or the infilling of the Spirit by making the Christian think that he has the apostolic signs given to Israel. That's his greatest counterfeit work. The apostolic signs are for apostles. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 12. They are for the apostolic ministry while God was dealing with Israel because the Jews seek for a sign. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. Since tongues are for a sign to Israel, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 22, and Satan can counterfeit these signs, 
Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, the devil's greatest masterpiece today is the fake, phony, counterfeit, so-called revival, which consists of a bunch of demoniac-filled Christians counterfeiting the apostolic signs and pretending they are something when they are nothing. Daydreaming can come from the devil. This one of the devil's most fruitful fields. They're good and bad daydreams, and the devil can get in there and get a hold of the passive, uncontrolled mental musings and guide them into the TV things you watch during the week. Flagrant sin is often the outworkings of unaccomplished daydreams. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The devil can control feelings. These like thoughts and moods must be watched. Don't be touchy. Don't mull over sayings. And think, I wonder if he meant to insult me, or why did he say that, or why didn't he speak to me? Live by the faith of the Son of God, not by feeling. This modern counterfeit movement that counterfeits the Holy Ghost and counterfeits the apostolic signs is marked by a bunch of emotional upset people who, when you give a verse of Scripture that crossed their feelings, they'd like to have you thrown off the radio station. Do you know why? They're creatures of feeling and passion. They don't go by Jesus Christ in them and what God said in His Word to them. They go by how they feel according to how the devil breathes on them. Up one day, down the next. We must be prepared to receive criticism. A Christian who can't take criticism don't knows nothing about the Holy Ghost. A Christian who can't stand correction or rebuke in the Word of God knows nothing about the Holy Ghost. A man who claims the baptism of the Holy Ghost and can't stand straight, solid, sound, biblical preaching and teaching within the context without adding or subtracting the Word of God is filled with the unholy ghost. The Holy Spirit loves the truth. If they offer the truth, the Holy Spirit will not reject the truth. Christ said, He that is of God heareth God's word. You hear them not, because you're not of God. The spirit or feeling or impression you have when straight, hard Bible truth is being preached that makes you uneasy and nervous doesn't come from the one that is in you that is greater than he that is in the world. It comes from the God of this world, His Majesty, the devil. And discouragement is one of the major weapons utilized by the devil. The Lord can use, the devil can use old age to get to a Christian. The devil can tell you you're too old to resist. Just relax and take a life a lot easier. That's the devil's lie. If you're still alive on this earth, God still has a job for you to do. One of the great ways the devil builds people up and deceives them is by giving them visions of great results. He makes them think that they're the center of a great revival, that God has raised them up in the last days, or because they're getting a lot of telephone calls, a lot of checks from backslidden Christians and the National Council of Churches that a great revival is taking place. They get deceived ideas about themselves. There are Christian leaders in this country that print a paper about themselves and then believe the garbage they put in it. They see themselves in their own light just like an unsaved politician. I get papers in my mailbox all the time, what I call junk mail, from the leading healers and evangelists in the United States, for those fellows are running 15 pages to try to get you to give them an offering, all under the pretense of getting you to exercise faith in what God said, that is, by supporting them. That had nothing to do with Christ in you, the hope of glory. This idea that God has raised me up in this last age for this great job and so forth and so on, you never heard Paul open his mouth about that stuff. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth me, and I am the chief of sinners and the least of all the apostles, and I am not worthy to be even called an apostle. You have to look out for the devil during times of discouragement and disappointments. 
mental breakdown, blows upon blows, and the stress of conflict, and perplexing situations. You may as well face it, Christian. You're in a battle, and you're going to have to fight. I don't care if the woman that is greater than you is greater than he that is in the world. The devil can take advantage of you, whether you're saved or not, by sleeplessness, by pressure of duties, by nerves, by a wandering mind, by death, by suicide, by mood, by spending money, by fashion, by craze, by habit, by the improper use of your tongue, by daydreaming, by going by your feelings, by being unable to stand criticism, by getting discouraged, by getting old and getting lazy. The devil can take you and advantage you in a thousand ways and work you over and fill you with unclean spirits to where nobody can tell whether you're a child of God or not. Now, that's the sad and horrible and terrible truth. And the man's deceiving you by telling you that all this stuff is rubbish simply because Christ in you is greater than the devil, is a liar and a deceiver himself, and is quoting Scripture to his own destruction and to your destruction. And don't forget in your lesson on Satan before that the devil quotes Scripture. When the devil tested Jesus Christ the Mount of Temptation, he said, It is written and quoted part of a verse in the Psalms. So one of the best ways the devil can deceive the Christian is by quoting the Bible. And that is why in this theological seminar there we have constantly referred to scores of scriptures within the context of scripture without ever taking a verse out or putting it in. And that's why we have carefully avoided any reference to Hebrew or Greek in the last 35 hours of broadcasting to alter the English text. Every man who ever altered that English text was trying to teach something that wasn't so, or teach something that he thought was so, or teach something that he knew was so, and not a man among them ever had to alter it to make it teach the truth, because it says what it says, and says what it means, and means what it says without your help, or the help of any of your friends, or teachers. And that's why in this broadcast, for 77 lessons, totally more than 36 hours, we have driven home time and time again what the Bible says and not what it is presumed to teach. Because you can presume that it teaches anything by simply quoting it. You can't make it teach anything but the truth if you quote it as it's written, where it's written, to whom it's written, in the context in which it is written. Now, how to resist the devil? Number one, recognize that the thing that comes to you is an attack by the devil. James 4, 7. Resist. Draw the sword. What's the sword? Ephesians chapter 6. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Now we're in trouble. If the means for resisting the devil is loin girt about with truth, Ephesians 6.14, chest protected, Ephesians 6.14, body protected with the shield of faith, Ephesians 6.16, head protected with salvation, Ephesians 6.17, but our only offensive weapon is the Word of God, Ephesians 6.17, what are you poor people going to do that are trusting on the one in you? and the feelings, and the baptism of the Holy Ghost to fight the devil, where none of them carry on the fight. The only offensive weapon you were given was the Word of God. 
Now tell me something. How do you people that go by your feelings and your charisma and all this Holy Ghost talk, how do you resist the devil when the only weapon you were given for attacking the devil was not the Holy Ghost? It was a book. Why, some of you don't even have a copy of the book. And some of you haven't memorized enough of the book to fight the devil if he attacked you. And some of you have been off to school, you have so many doubts about the book, you put it on the shelf and wouldn't think of using it as a weapon. You just use your mouth or your political connections or your friend's feelings towards you. Now, aren't you in a mess? You were told to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and you can't take the offensive without using that weapon. You put on Christ. That's defensive. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Romans 13, 14. You seek the guidance of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit will guide you according to what the Bible says and not according to your feelings. You use prayer, which is neutral. Ephesians 6, 18. Praying with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit. You can plead the blood of Christ. That's defensive. Revelation 12, 11, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. But you can't attack the devil or fight an offensive warfare or make one foot of progress forward in an aggressive warfare unless you learn the word, memorize it, draw it, and use it. In the three great temptations given to Christ in Matthew 4, verse 1 to 11, he didn't pray one time, didn't count the Holy Ghost one time, didn't call for angels to protect him one time. He quoted the Bible three times. Verse 4, verse 7, and verse 10. And when the devil quoted it back to him, he went right on and quoted the verse against him, but overthrew the verse the devil quoted. It isn't enough merely to quote it, you have to know it. It isn't enough merely to know it, you have to believe it. It isn't enough to believe it, you have to know it, memorize it, believe it, quote it, and use it in your spiritual battle. And without it, you, my dear, say, person, will go down out of a heap and ten years from this broadcast, your family wouldn't be willing to bet if you were a Christian. And that's why people who go by all these new versions and their charisma and their feelings always doubt their salvation. They don't have the sword of the Spirit. They're not engaged in aggressive warfare. They're engaged in a defensive warfare against other Christians. You can always spot them because they never go out themselves and deliberately win the people of Jesus Christ by their personal dealing with that soul about his sin and about his accountability to God. All they can do is share that experience and try to talk some other Christian into thinking that he's in the wrong church. They are controlled by Satan because they can't fight any warfare. Why? They have no book. They don't have the Word of God. And the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Conclusion. If you sin, confess it immediately and plead the blood. Get up, rise up, and take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and fight more diligently. Fight the good fight of faith. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ.
And the Lord bless you and good day.